0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast presented by Simply Healthcare. We're going to talk a little bit about the Marlins offseason planning today, dive into a little bit of free agency talk, and attempt to outline what this winter is going to look like for Miami, even with all of the uncertainty that's going on, not just internally with the Marlins, but with the sport as we head into the hot stove season. Let's start with free agency. Uh, As of right now, everything started up on Sunday. Teams were able to officially start talking with every player who's out in the open market after the five-day quiet period, but really not much has gone on yet throughout the league, and at least on the Marlins side, I would expect that to remain the same for at least the next week or so as the team tries to formulate and figure out exactly what it's going to do, what how it's going to set itself up financially, and really figure out organizationally where everything is at. There's still a lot of questions going on with how the minor league seasons are actually going to look, how many affiliates they're going to have as MLB and minor league baseball try to come to some sort of agreement. And that's really going to play a big factor in how active the Marlins are this offseason because they're not going to go out and sign a whole bunch of players if they know that the total amount of players they're going to be using is going to be decreasing. But regardless this team knows it has needs to address. The bullpen is arguably their biggest need after Brandon Kinsler's option was declined. Brad Boxberger went to free agency. Uh, that really just leaves them with Yemi Garcia among their guys who they use in high-leverage situations. So the good news for the Marlins, free agency markets flooded with relievers. You got Liam Hendricks, Trevor May, uh, you got Trevor Rosenthal, uh, former Marlon Brad Hand, who's had a pretty good year probably the last few years. Shane Green, Jeremy Jeffers, uh, Andrew Chafin, Sean Doolittle, Aaron Laup, Jake McGee, Tony Watson, Justin Wilson. The list keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and then there's still the possibility of the Marlins bring back Kinsler on a more team-friendly deal than his already seemingly team-friendly deal that was his $4 million team option. And Boxberger can always come back too. So the Marlins... The bullpen is going to be an op is going to be somewhere that something they're, they're going to have to pursue this offseason. And secondary, secondarily, they're gonna more than likely go after another catcher. I mean, you saw what they did last offseason. They got brought in Francisco Cervelli, who originally was going to be more of a mentor type role to Jorge Alfaro, who is in his third year in the big league, second year with the Marlins. And ended up having to play a pretty good amount after the COVID fiasco happened early in the year. So now, after Cervelli retired, you have Alfaro and Chad Wallach left, but the Marlins always seem comfortable having at least three guys who are MLB ready. That's been the case the last few years. So whether they go for a James McCann or an Austin Romine or Stephen Voigt or Sandy Leon, Kurt Suzuki, Mike Zanino... They're going to go for somebody who can bring a veteran presence to that room, but may not necessarily be an everyday guy. And on that note, sorry Marlins fans don't anticipate a JT Realmuto reunion. That's just, that's not looking like it's going to be in the picture. And then finally, even with all the hitting prospects that the Marlins have and the confidence they have that all of them are going to turn the corner, even with struggles this year, they're going to go for another veteran batter too. And it's most likely going to be someone in the outfield because when you look at the positions, you've got Cooper and Aguilar at first base. You've got either Eson Diaz, Jazz Chisholm, or John Birdie at second. You've got Miguel Rojas at short. You've got Brian Anderson at third. The infield in terms of starters is more or less set. You've got Starling Marte's going to be in center field. Corey Dickerson is going to get a decent amount of time in left. We might, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some platooning there. And then you still have right field, which, just like last year, there's a lot of moving parts that can go there. There's a lot of depth that can go there. And a lot of guys who will likely be playing in A before getting the time to call, come back up. But the Marlins are likely going to look for some sort of bat, even if it's a guy who's primarily coming off the bench. And it's probably going to be a lefty. It just makes sense, considering Matt Joyce is going in the free agency and he's the only one of their real hitters who got significant playing time outside of Francisco Cervelli, who is now not on the roster. So we'll see how they approach that. And it's, again, going to be a little bit of time. The Marlins are going to wait out the waters before actively, actively moving on and seeing what they're going to do. But free agency isn't the only thing that's going on this offseason. Obviously, the Marlins are still in the midst of a search for their next president of baseball operations or general manager whichever title they decide to go with after not retaining Michael Hill and the latest update on that is well there really is not in- is one at this point I was told that as of about last week that the team really hasn't conducted interviews yet they have a few of their in-house guys who they've done a little bit of stuff with but nothing extreme yet as of yet so I would anticipate a decision being made at the end by the end of the month, but as of right now, it's just status quo at this point. There's a couple minor decisions that have to be made over the next about 15 days or so, but as of right now, they're going they're just going business as normal, even without someone officially with that GM or president of the baseball operation title. Dan Greenley and Brian Chadden are both running the department for the time being. Obviously, Derek G. is saying a lot of things. Gary Dembo will be part of conversations. But for the time being, it's there's no movement at this point, but I would expect that to start picking up over the next couple of weeks, especially knowing that the general meet, general manager meetings are coming up soon. The winter meetings, even though they were canceled for in-person things, are still going to be business to be handled in December. So the Marlins are going to have to start figuring things out on that front soon. Here's a quick highlight from Marlin CEO Derek Jeter regarding the GM president of baseball operations search from a couple of weeks ago and the team's plan for how they're playing to address that. I wouldn't get so caught up in whether it's the president of the baseball operations or a general manager. I think uh, you know, pretty much the role is pretty simple. I mean, similar. You know, it's just some titles that have changed. But when you talk about my job is to look across both sides of the organization and uh, you know, I, I do feel as though we need a general manager slash president of the baseball operations, however you want to define it, uh, in terms of title. Well, so I think we do. Obviously, need that because we have a lot of departments, and we need someone that that's leading the, the baseball operations department. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion, gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And speaking of some of those dates, uh, November 20th, the last day to set up their 40-man roster to protect guys from the Rule 5 draft. The Marlins have two free roster spots and, fittingly enough, have two key guys who they're going to have to protect in outfielder Gerard Encarnacion and uh, middle infielder Jose Devers. Both of them are top 30 prospects. Both are thought of very highly inside the organization. Encarnacion probably has some of the most raw power out of anybody that the team has in the minor leagues uh after seeing him a few times myself back in spring training and seeing a couple games with him back in the minors when he made a late hop up into jupiter the kid's got pop the kid has pop and he's able to and he has a strong arm too which could make him a really good future guy in right field for this team and jose devers the kid's only 20 years old but He's got a lot of instinct. He was really, really good in Jupiter last year. I got to watch him as part of the uh, postseason taxi squad and some of their practices before and after games. And he was looking really sharp in his during his batting practice and during his live ABs. So I can understand why the Marlins are extremely high on the guy and the fact that, again, he's only 20. He's only gone as high as Jupiter so far in class in high A. So he's got a couple more years of maturing ado in the minors in terms of his play, but he's a guy who could definitely be a piece for this team moving forward. And then going ahead from that a little bit, December 2nd is the last day of the tender contracts for guys who are still on rookie contracts. And this includes all eight guys who the Marlins have in arbitration, which includes uh, catcher Jorge Alfaro, third baseman Brian Anderson, first baseman Garrett Cooper, and Jesus Aguilar. And then of... Uh, Four pitchers in Richard Blyer, Jimmy Garcia, Ryan Stanek, and Jose Urania. So almost all of these guys, I would expect to at least get tendered contracts. We'll see exactly what the Marlins decide to do with them moving forward. But all eight of them played a role, in and in a pretty significant role, I should say, in some way, shape, or form on this, on this playoff run. Uh, Alfaro, obviously, splitting time of catcher. Anderson, the third there third baseman and a gold glove finalist this year, I might add, along with Miguel Rojas at shorts up. The Cooper-Aguilar dynamic will be interesting, especially if the National League doesn't go with a designated hitter. It could potentially make one of them expendable down the road, or the Marlins could simply just platoon them, potentially have Cooper play a game and right every now and then, if they wanted to make sure they had both bats in the lineup. Uh, and then, Blyer and You should be able to get on pretty cheap deals in arbitration. Blyer, really impressing last year. Stannik not really getting the chance to do too much. Missed a good chunk of time at- with COVID. Yemi was their setup guy and internally could potentially be a closer candidate depending on what they do in free agency. And then the big question comes down to Jose Urania. Do they think he's going to be a member of the starting rotation? Are they going to tender him just to flip him or are they going to Fly out choose a non-tender him. I can see it go going any of the three ways, which makes it really interesting to see how they decide to go about that. And then you have until January 15th to try to set up these arbitration dates, these arbitration salaries. And if those aren't reached, then we'll go through everything in spring training, sort of like what they did with Jesus Aguilar, where both teams will submit offers and a panel of arbitrators will ultimately decide which salary a player gets. It's safe to say that it's going to be a busy offseason. Uh, to change gears a little bit, I want to talk about stuff from Tuesday, Election Day. Uh, specifically, wanting to give a little bit of a shout-out to Marlins outfielder, Lewis Brinson. Uh, the Marlins Foundation, on Tuesday, in partnership with Feed the Votes, uh, they donated 4,000 meals to two different Polling at two different polling locations on election day. One in Little Havana, one in Liberty City. Brinson, hometown kid, Fort Lauderdale native, Coral Springs High alum, finally looking like he's on the upswing or hopefully on the upswing of his career after being traded to the Marlins before 2018. He was out at the Liberty City location for about an hour and a half, handing out meals to people who were voting at the location and overall just engaging with the fan base, something that players really didn't get the opportunity to do this year with everything that went on with the coronavirus pandemic, no fans being allowed in the stands. And he really is stepping into that vocal ambassador-type role that the Marlins, I think, were hoping they would get from him. And the fact that we're seeing that duality of him stepping up and becoming more of a vocal person in addition to seeing him produce on the field. And again, I'm not saying that he was an all-star in any sense of the way. We know Brinson still has room to grow, but we did see a good amount of progress from him this year. To be able to see all of that sort of coming together now and his willingness and desire to be part of as much of the Marlins' community engagement away from the field as we're starting to see now, it's a really good sign, it's something that's worth giving some credit to. And Lewis himself even said when we talked with him on Tuesday that he wants to be seen, he wants to be able to do as much as he can in the community and be one of those guys who's more than just making making himself known for being on the field. I tell them all the time I want to be a part of all the events. If I'm here, I want to be a part of you know, giving back, uh, especially with the holidays coming up. Uh, I want to be a part of all the events, man. I, I love seeing people smile on faces when we give them food or, you know, we just, they just see us. Um, just to get, Maybe they're going through something in their life and to see uh, us and, and to see us out here giving back to the community and put a smile on their face and hopefully give them positive, positive vibe and positive, positive energy. But, you know, obviously it's very important to be out here, um, be out here in boating. And I uh, know how important it is, and I just want to be a part of that. And the Marlins are still going to be doing some more community service, community engagement events throughout the rest of the year. Obviously, the holidays are coming up. They're going to do their annual Thanksgiving food distribution, which most likely is going to be a drive-through food distribution this year just because of all the precautions they have to make with COVID. They have some things coming up around Christmas as well. So we'll see exactly what they do with all that. And more than likely, we'll see Lewis Brinson taking part in helping out in some way, shape or form with those. And with that, that's going to wrap up this, w- this week's episode of fish bites. The Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast presented by simply healthcare. Thanks so much again for joining everyone. And we will be back. It's safe to say that it's going to be a busy off season, uh, to change gears a little bit. I want to talk about stuff from Tuesday election day, uh, Specifically, wanting to give a little bit of a shout out to Marlins outfielder Lewis Brinson. Uh, the Marlins Foundation on Tuesday, in partnership with Feed the Votes, uh, they donated four thousand meals to two different polling at two different polling locations on Election Day. One in Little Havana, one in Liberty City. Brinson, hometown kid, Fort Lauderdale native, Coral Springs High alum, finally looking like he's on the upswing, or hopefully on the upswing of his career after being traded to the Marlins before 2018. He was out at the Liberty City location for about an hour and a half, handing out meals to people who were voting at the location, and overall just engaging with the fan base, something that players really didn't get the opportunity to do this year with everything that went on with the coronavirus pandemic, no fans being allowed in the stands, and He really is stepping into that vocal ambassador type role that the Marlins, I think, were hoping they would get from him. And the fact that we're seeing that duality of him stepping up and becoming more of a vocal person in addition to... Seeing him produce on the field, and again, I'm not saying that he was an all-star in any sense of the way. We know Brinson still has room to grow, but we did see a good amount of progress from him this year. To be able to see all of that sort of coming together now, and his willingness and desire to be part of as much of the Marlins' community engagement away from the field as we're starting to see now, it's a really good sign. It's something that's worth giving some credit to. And Lewis himself even said when we talked with him on Tuesday that he wants to be seen. He wants to be able to do as much as he can in the community and be one of those guys who's more than just making making himself known for being on the field. Here's a quick highlight from Marlins CEO Derek Jeter regarding the GM, president of baseball operation search from a couple weeks ago and the team's plan for how they're playing to address that.